Everyone who knows me knows I love cars. Well, I love cars, trucks, vans, tractors, lawnmowers, or anything that has a motor. I love driving them, but I also love working on them. I like trying to figure out why something isn't working the way it should and finding a way to fix it. I'd much rather spend my free time tinkering with my vehicle than playing video games. But not everybody likes to maintain their vehicle. As a matter of fact, some people downright neglect their vehicles, right, Kendra? <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I love to travel. I love going on cruises, road trips, camping, or any place where the sun is shining and the beach is calling. I would much rather spend my free time on a beach somewhere as opposed to cleaning my house. But not everybody likes to travel. As a matter of fact, the idea of packing a suitcase and spending the night away from home stresses them out. Right, Noah? When I turned 16 last November, <laughs> when I turned 16 last November, I got my driver's license and haven't looked back since. It didn't take me long to realize though that I need to be careful to check my vehicle's fluids on a regular basis. Car owners know that the most important part of owning a vehicle is keeping up with the routine maintenance and services. Yeah. It's really important to replenish your, your fluids on a regular basis in order to ensure your car works properly when you need it to. And if you take care of your car, you can extend the life of your vehicle. That's why it's important to routinely change your engine coolant, transmission fluid, brake fluid, power steering fluid, and windshield wiper fluid. Did you know that your car's manufacturer usually provides a maintenance schedule in the owner's manual for the fluids that need to be filled and flushed in your vehicle? And our cars are also equipped with a check engine light that will light up when, we, when something is wrong with your engine. And fortunately, many of us don't consult the owner's manual for routine maintenance until we notice the warning light. The same can be true for our spiritual lives. God has given us an owner's manual the Bible that we're to consult to make sure we're maintaining our spiritual lives. Amen. However, many of us ignore the owner's manual long after the check, check spirit light goes on. Yeah. We all know what it takes to travel, even if it's a few nights away from home. As summer begins, many of us are making plans for the beach or the lake or a family reunion. Maybe you're off on an adventure yourself this summer. Maybe you're taking a trip to see old friends, or maybe you're going to England and leaving your kids at home. <laughs> Whatever travel plans you may have, you would never set out without making plans and proper preparation. We know what happens to people who go on a vacation without proper preparation, because we've seen them come back miserable and battered by the road. So if we... If we're wise, we make necessary plans, carry the essential provisions for our journey, take precautions, and keep our passports with us at all times. Our spiritual lives should receive no less attention. After all, it's a spiritual journey. So today we're going to take a moment to consider how maintaining our spiritual life is like preparing for a journey. Or maintaining a vehicle. Getting ready is the biggest part of taking a trip. It takes almost as long to get ready to leave home as it does to take the trip itself. Because the most important thing to do in getting ready to travel is to pack your bags. You have to figure out what you'll need while you're gone. I do my best to pack my suitcase with all the necessary items for that particular journey. I pack according to the expected weather conditions, what kind of activities I'll be doing, and the number of days I'll be away from home. 
The consideration I put into packing my suitcase will influence how enjoyable the trip will be for me and my family. The same is true for our spiritual journey. Someday we'll be in our heavenly home, but we're not there yet. So we need to figure out what to pack in our spiritual suitcase to ensure a successful trip. There are many correlations between the routine maintenance work on your vehicle and the need for routine maintenance in our walk with Jesus. My mom told me that when she got her first car, a 1977 butter yellow Chevy Nova, she didn't realize the oil in her car needed to be changed. She drove that car for several years and never had, to, never had the oil changed, and rarely did she add any. But one day, while driving down the freeway, her engine caught fire and destroyed her car. Her car wasn't designed to go on forever without being maintained, and our Christian lives need a regular maintenance too. Car oil needs to be changed because it gets contaminated with acids, burnt fuel, carbon particles, and sludge, which reduces the effectiveness of the oil in the engine. You're your mom's kid. Yeah. <laughs> the oil should be changed more often if we do a lot of idling, stop-and-go driving, like at rush hour, pulling a trailer, or driving in dusty conditions. Regular oil changes are the best way to ensure longer, li en longer engine life. Likewise, you and I need a regular spiritual oil change to ensure that we function efficiently as people of faith. So how do we change our spiritual oil? This world is full of unexpected trials that are difficult to prepare, prepare for, but thankfully the Bible gives us clear instructions on how to maintain our spiritual oil and pack properly for our journey. Our spiritual passage for today reveals let me start over. Our scripture passage for today reveals some important items that we want to include in our spiritual suitcase if we want to journey through this life well. But it also reveals how to maintain our spiritual engines. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts and look at our scripture passage for today. These verses are speaking out the early church that was established after Jesus returned to heaven. So if you have your Bibles, you have your app, you have uh, whatever you have on your phone um, and even up on the screen, we're reading Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As we motor along in the rush of our fast-paced sinful world, we can't help but develop a buildup of waste. It may be burnt out ways of thinking or polluted values. We may have absorbed toxic ideas from social media or our friends. We may have become so seized up with doubts about God that we've lost our ability to trust him in faith. Or maybe, <clears throat> or maybe our hearts have accumulated a sludge buildup from ha bad habits or wrongs that have never been acknowledged and forgiven. These are all signs that a spiritual oil change is overdue. The warning light is flickering so that the first we need to do in order to change our spiritual oil is to do what the first Christians did in Acts chapter 2. Point one, spend time in God's word. 
we need to spend time reading God's word. Fresh oil, fresh oil does not, doesn't come from reading a verse a day either. We need time in Bible study where we allow the word of God to speak to us. That only happens when we dig into the word as, and ask God how it applies to our lives. The first Christians knew how important God's word was, and they spent time daily studying it. On our spiritual journey through life, the very first thing we need to make sure to pack is the word of God. The Apostle Paul also knew the importance of reading the word of God. He said in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work is God's will for our lives. And Paul tells us that the scriptures are what we need to help us live according to God's will. It's what every Christian should pack for their spiritual journey, and it's what maintains our spiritual engines. It teaches us what is right, it rebukes us, that is, it shows us where we have gone wrong, it corrects us, it brings us back to the right path when we stray, and it trains us. That is, it disciplines us in righteous living. The scriptures thoroughly equip us, fully furnish us, and completely rig us out to do the will of God. It is when our hearts are turned to the word and our minds are filled with the word that we are best equipped to recognize God's guidance. It works like this. As we learn more of the word, we grow to think as God thinks. We learn to see things from his perspective. Our attitudes, our opinions, our goals, our ideals, and our values become more like his. When we face major decisions, we are able to evaluate them with the mind of Christ rather than with the mind of the flesh. In many instances, we will automatically know what God wants us to do. And doing what he desires will become our daily lifestyle and normal habit pattern of living. Another way Christians get fresh oil is by point two, spending time with God in prayer. Luke says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer is, a vital, is, vital, is as vital to the Christian life as oil is to a car. When we need, when we... <laughs> When we go to God in prayer, we allow him to cleanse us from all the debris that infiltrated our spiritual walk with him. When we go with him in prayer, we receive fresh oil and fresh feeling of oil spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, sorry. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 is a great oil change prayer. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Uh, praying Psalm 139 is a great way to discover areas in our life that many ha may have blocked our spiritual engine from running smoothly down the highway of life. Have you ever unpacked your suitcase after a long trip and realized you didn't even wear half the items you packed? If you're like me, you tend to overpack. I take more than I actually need on a trip and end up carrying around all that extra weight unnecessarily. The truth is we all carry unnecessary things that weigh us down, slow us down, and keep us from being and doing what God intends for us. 
Things like the weight of a troubled past or conflicts that we can't seem to let go of, sadness or grief that doesn't go away, fears of the future, and even the argument from yesterday. But prayer is one of those essential items that we not only need to pack for our spiritual journey, but that we need to use in order to clear our lives of the unnecessary baggage we pack or pick up along the way. Another way we can spiritually change our oil is by fellowshipping with other believers. Look at verse in Acts 2 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We get fresh oil by being around other believers. We can't get fresh oil by just sitting in a chair next to someone for an hour at church on Sunday morning. We have to break bread with them, hang out with them, and have a relationship with them. In Acts 2.42, Luke tells us that one of the four things the early church devoted itself to was fellowship. Fellowship was an important part of the reason for meeting together. It was one of their main objectives. But what is fellowship? We often hear people talking about fellowship. We hear it said that what we need is more fellowship. But our modern idea of fellowship have become so watered down that the word no longer carries the same meaning it did in the New Testament times. We're not surprised that the early church devoted itself to the apostles' teachings and also to prayer. Apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, these are the two most important means of growth, power, and effectiveness in the Christian life. And this is evident in the rest of Scripture. But Luke tells us these early Christians also devoted themselves to fellowship. They didn't just have fellowship, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They just didn't have fellowship, they devoted themselves to fellowship. I actually read that twice, so I just like said it again. They made fellowship a priority. Today, however, we often view fellowship as what we do on Sunday morning, before the service, after the service. It's the place where we have casual conversations and savor the coffee and donuts and fruits and pastries and all that that we have. And that's not a bad thing. It can contribute to fellowship. But if it falls short of it does fall short of fellowship according to biblical standards and according to the meaning and use of the Greek word for fellowship. True fellowship involves getting together for spiritual purpose, for sharing needs, for prayer, for discussing and sharing the word, to encourage, to comfort, and to edify one another. This aspect of Christian fellowship is much more important than the first idea. It's an area of fellowship that's often lacking in the church today and one that needs to be remedied. But even this doesn't comprehend or grasp the full and rich meaning of fellowship in the New Testament. Fellowship means being part of a group, a body of people. It is opposed to an isolation, solitude, loneliness, and our present-day independent kind of individualism. Of course, it does not stop there because we can be in a crowd of people and even share certain things in common, but still not have fellowship. Fellowship means having or sharing with others. It means sharing certain things in common, such as interests, goals, feelings, beliefs, activities, labor, privileges, responsibilities, experiences, and concerns. Fellowship can mean a partnership that involves working together and caring for one another, like a company of soldiers or members of a family. The final thing that Luke mentions in our scripture passage today 
as a means of refreshing our oil is to, point number four, break bread together. This phrase is used several times throughout the Bible. Breaking bread basically refers to food or eating together, which we like to do a lot around here. However, it has a much deeper meaning rooted in the partaking of the Lord's Supper, or what we may call communion. Part of the worship of the early church was the gathering together to break bed or to partake of the Lord's Supper. In addition to this, they also gathered together in various places and shared meals together. So the term breaking bread in scripture is a symbolic gesture of our communion with God and our communion with each other. The early Christians viewed communion as a body of Christians having a common faith and discipline. Therefore, communion is a deep, intimate fellowship or partnership. Communion is participating with a group of people. In order for the local church to be a disciple-making church, its members must have both daily communion with God and with each other. The early church participated in breaking bread on a daily basis. In other words, their relationship with God and with each other wasn't just a Sunday thing. It was a daily thing. Uh, Your spiritual oil doesn't change itself. It doesn't happen automatically every 3,000 miles. It's something you have to take time out of your schedule for and will cost you something. Yes. So in conclusion, if you've been trying to keep your relationship with God going on that initial feeling, you probably aren't far from a breakdown. Spend time today getting back into your prayer closet. Pull that Bible out of your spiritual suitcase and take time to look deeper into his word. Connect with other believers who will change your faith and push you beyond your comfort zone. Share a meal with other Christians regularly, but don't just eat food and leave. Have a real communion with one another. When you do all these things, you'll find a reward, love for God. And an excitement that's deeper than your initial, initial salvation experience. I want us to be an Acts 2 type of church, don't you? Okay, Pastor Sam's the one that said that, so say it loud that you agree. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, um, we're not willing to answer any questions, comments, or concerns. So uh, we're done. <laughs>